get your browser on and see if it's IE, Firefox, Chrome, Safari. Get on it. Get on the Crystal Show right now. I am Crystal Hickerson, and I would like to welcome you all to the Crystal Show. There's too many free meals out here, folks. I want the cheddar biscuits. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's going to be cool. It's going to be nice. We're going to talk. We're going to get real down and dirty. Hi, guys. My name's Becky. You're on the Crystal Show. I didn't call for you to make fun of me. I, 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 I was not, not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you and a little bit at you. People say, well, don't talk about religion and politics. I say, right. yes, talk about it. Talk about it because what do you want to go to a boring cocktail party? <laughs> I don't like her. I mean, how how old are we? What grade are we in? One man, American crime wave. Because the feds knew. Y'all might have to come back because that's going to be a whole different show altogether. That's what I'm talking about. I, 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 make some noise. 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 All right, everybody, what's up? It is Thursday night, and you are right where you ought to be on the Crystal Show featuring Dre. All right, now, thank you so much for tuning in live or listening to the podcast. If you are listening live, I want you to call in and voice your opinion on tonight's topic and to speak with our guests. All you have to do is dial 657-383-0554. That's 657 Three eight three zero five five four, or you can simply listen to the show that way. You can also tune into our chat room and um, ask your questions from there, and we'll read your comments over the air. Uh, to connect to the Crystal Show, make sure you like us on Facebook at the Crystal Show One, and follow us on Twitter at Crystal Show One. Also, you can join into the live tweet chat that happens actually all the time um, at hashtag Crystal Show Talk. For all the information, including how to be a guest on the show, you must visit the official website, which is thecrystalshow.com. All right, and um, we are gracious to have our sponsor tonight, which is Mohican.biz. So please let us listen to that before we get into our show. Do you have student debt? We offer neither debt refinancing nor consolidation. What we offer is student debt obliteration. How? Freelancing your way out of debt. Become a freelancer on our site, mohican.biz. Only those owing student debt and residing in the U.S. can register. Any company or individual can post jobs on the site. Furthermore, Mohegan.biz strives to bring those individuals still carrying student loan debt together with those institutions who educated them, as well as those who provided the financing to make their education possible. Thus, we will promote our registered freelancers with banks, universities, and many other organizations, including the federal government. The idea is for these institutions to outsource work by posting jobs at mohegan.biz, to which our registered freelancers would then apply. Please visit mohegan.biz for more information. Thank you. All right. That's Mohican.biz. Thank you so much for being a sponsor of The Crystal Show. Now, tonight we have a special treat for you. We have an author on the line who has done something quite interesting. She has written a book about a superhero. Now, you think superhero, and you may think 
DC Comics or Marvel, <laughs> Superman, and um, Thor. <laughs> but actually, she has created um, an African um, superhero uh, from a old African folklore. And I, we want to bring her on. Her name is Balaji Ajahi, and I know she will correct me if I pronounced it incorrectly. Hello, Balaji. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hi, Crystal. Thank you for having me. And yes, you pronounced it correctly, so you're oh not going to. <laughs> I never do that. I always this do it wrong. This is how you work on radio because you know what you do. You do it well. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, first of all, um, I was really excited to hear about this book. Um, the fact that it is an an African now now it's an African superhero, and it came from an African folklore. Can you tell us about that? And the name of the book, first of all, is Akiti the Hunter. So tell us about um, Akiti. Okay, so how this whole initiative began was um, at when my son was about four months old, um, my first son, um, I took him to Barnes & Noble's bookstore at least once a month, and we would literally pick out two or three books each month um, up until the age of four. He's four now. Um, and every time we would pick books, we would pick books about Mickey Mouse, you know, Pepper Pig, and, you know, all <laughs> types of different characters that appear on the Disney Channel. The Lion King is one of them, Bubble right. Guppies, um, you know, and, and so many. After a while, you know, as you're, as you're going through each title from title to title, you start to notice a little bit of a trend, meaning no representation of self on this shelf. So I'm originally from Nigeria. His father's American. Um, okay. Grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. So me needing to explain to my son his roots and origination, um, I found it quite complex that there was no context available for me to do that, especially from a, y- a young child's perspective. Like, how can I create something that he can identify with um, and make me telling him about his origin and roots a lot easier? Um, so, you know, I took him to book. Barnes and Nobles. We couldn't really find anything. We did run into Nelson Mandela, you know, rest in peace. But his story, yeah. even from a children's perspective, was a bit graphic and actually made him more hungry and um, untrustworthy to, you know, some adults of certain race. Um, mm. So that's not what that was not the message I was trying to convey to my young son. So then another thing, as a parent, you take your child to Toys R Us. You're like, hey, you know, you're about that age where you're supposed to like a superhero. So you know, who do you like? Um, here's Superman. He's like, no, I don't right. like Superman. How about Batman? He's like, uh-uh, I don't like Batman. I'm like, all right, Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and right. he's like, no, I don't like Spider-Man. And I was like, okay, um, wh- you know, why don't you like these superheroes? And he's like, he doesn't look like my daddy. And then the idea bulb kind of went off in my head. was like, okay, now I get it. Um, obviously, his real-life hero is his father, and more importantly, he looks just like his father. And when we go to the bookstore, we see the same similarities. So then I was like, you know what, I'm not going to be that mom that writes an angry letter to Toys R Us or Barnes & Noble saying, hey, why isn't there a, a superhero from an African descent, and, you know, why hasn't this been thought of for so long? Um, I decided to take it upon myself, and I did some research, um, and my dad definitely helped me out. He's also originally from Nigeria, and he pointed me in the right direction to where I stumbled upon an African folk law, and that is Akiti the Hunter. Um, and here I am today, a published book um, that's been doing so well with the support of many family, 
you know, family members and friends and church families um, and other people who could identify with my struggle um, as regards to finding um, a hero for their child that looks like them. Well, you know what? You did something that I think, especially in the black community, we have to do, but we we rarely do on a larger scale, and that is instead of, you know, just complaining about what's not out there, creating your own, creating, write the stories that you want to see, write the stories that you want to read and that you want your children to read. And I think it's very admirable of you to decide, you know what, I'm going to do that for my child and for the rest of the children of the world, not just black children, but children to see that there are more than just Anglo-Saxons who are, you know, great and wonderful and powerful or, you know, as a superhero, but Africans as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And as I go on my tour, you know, you run into d- different families from different backgrounds, and I'm like, you look at Akiti, he doesn't necessarily have to be black, you know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. of color. So an Indian child could definitely a- identify with the way Akiti looks, a Puerto Rican child, a Latino child, and so on. And these kids, they get so excited off of something so small. And another objective that I had was to leave behind small traces of auto-suggestions of empowerment. So when I'm no longer here and my son has this book to himself or for his child, you know, so to speak, um, I know what the world is like because I live it. You know, you're going to get a lot of people who tell you, you know, you're a nobody. The news, the media, they constantly report the worst things about your own people and where you come from. If a child opens this book or even an adult opens this book and reads some of the messages that we're trying to convey about, hey, I am the best, I'm the the greatest, the bravest, I'm the strongest, I'm the mightiest, and I'm reading you excerpts out of this book. So, and then then there's another um, morale in there that kind of states that no matter how great your opponents may be, the only power you need is the power of your mind. And the only way to train your mind is to read. Read as much as you can, whenever you can, and even if you think you know everything, keep reading. So... You know, and I was like, if this is my only shot, I didn't know if this was book, book was going to get published, but I knew that as a mother of mm-hmm. a young black boy in America, and I know that when I'm no longer here, what voice is he going to have, you know, that tells him, hey, you're somebody, you know what I mean, just because, you know, this is going on or this person is sort of smearing what so many people have fought for. It does not have anything to do with who you are as an individual. So, yes. Well, you know what, um, like I said, I think that's great. I think, first of all, I think it's wonderful that, um, you know, his father is there, he emulates him, uh, his grandfather is present, because for a lot of black boys, they don't see that positive role model inside their household, which is where we actually get our, you know, our role model from, and, you know, where everything comes from is from inside the household. So tell me about... um, is this the beginning? I know you said you didn't realize that this was going to take off, but is this the beginning of a series, you think? You're absolutely right. This is the first of five. Um, this one was particularly targeted because I'm biased. I have a little boy. Um, <laughs> the next one is called Akiti Falls in Love, and we're introduced to a character named Fatima. Um, the prototype has already been printed out. I wish I sent it to you so you could actually, I could get your first impression, but I'll send it after this call. Um, I introduced Fatima. That's his love interest. And she also has a, a story to tell that is 
is aimed at motivating our young girls, you know, about educating yourself first before you, you know, worry about finding a man. Make sure that you're somebody worth being with. And you're somebody with or without, you know, your spouse. You know what I mean? You have to yeah. make a name for yourself, and you can't be um, misguided in life because you're blessed with beauty. Um, that's only going to take you so far. You really have to rely on your mind. Um, and that's the kind of message we convey in Part 2. And obviously there are some action um, scenarios in there um, that's good just to keep the superhero element um, we keep that in there. And this part three, um, in, in part four and part five, all of them have been written. So we're mm-hmm. going to be releasing it one after the other. Okay. Now, as the geeks of superhero world want to know, what are the powers of Akiti? Great question. <laughs> First and <laughs> foremost, he's immortal. <laughs> Let me ah, put that all up. right. You guys can never kill him. <laughs> he will never die, ever. <laughs> um, that's the the most important one to me. Um, so no lynching here. Um, no. <laughs> for Agatita Hunter, um, he can transform into any animal. He has a pack, uh, kind of a sachet that he carries, and it has magical dust in it. And then the part one of the series, he transforms into um, a lion. Um, he transforms into flies. Um, and he's, you know, he can fight, um, he's equipped with a bow and arrow, spear. It takes place in 1800, so you won't see any machine guns just yet, um, but more of the, um, historical and traditional weaponry. Um, and, you know, it takes place in a safari type of environment, a jungle type of environment, but at the same time, because I am the author of his legacy and our own legacy, um, and I have creative control over how the message is conveyed pictorially, uh, you're not going to see a lot of the um, stereotypical imagery from, you know, you know what African people look like. You're probably going to see the most beautiful aspect of what African people look like, and they are. So once a child of color picks up this book, they would already feel proud that, hey, this is where I'm from, this is what these, you know, my people look like, and they don't look half bad. They look strong <laughs> and healthy, you know, you know what I mean? They, they, right. They're educated, they're powerful, they believe in themselves, um, and they, they exercise peace and, um, yeah. Okay, so it's not going to be a Hancock kind of a thing. <laughs> you know, no. With Will Smith. <laughs> I think oh, that no, was our, no. only, our only major um, superhero, quote-unquote, <laughs> movie that came out. <laughs> and I was no, like, oh, God, no. he, he's drunk and, you know, it's, it's horrible. But, um, <laughs> but you know, he kind of sounds like a little bit of Batman and a little bit of Superman, you know, Batman with all of his gadgets and he could do different things and also Superman who had this kind of immortal kind of a kind of a feel about him. It was hard to kill him. He wasn't totally immortal, but it was hard to kill right. him. <laughs> all right. Yeah, and I- he can fly, Akiti can read minds, oh. Akiti can manipulate other and the best part that I like about Akiti that he can speak any language in the world. Wow. All right. And- um, yeah, I mean, and you'll see in his tales as we introduce new cultural groups um, into the, the storyline because we definitely want to celebrate other cultures as well. So we have to have him communicate in many different languages um, and exercise peace and unity and still be heroic in a sense and provide action for the, you know, action superhero lovers and, and so on and the geeks. 
<laughs> yeah, you got to include <laughs> the geeks. <laughs> now, yeah, we got to include the geeks. They inspire me, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Now, now with that, um, I know this is a children's book, but are you thinking maybe just down the line, maybe thinking of a comic book, or or is that um, not where you want to go? Um, we're we're gonna take this from a franchise perspective and take it as far as it, it as we you know whichever doors we can enter, we're gonna definitely be kicking it down. And the comic book strip is definitely something that would be targeted towards our older um, mm-hmm. crowd, so you know the teenage. Because this book is more fifth grade and below, um, mm-hmm. down to zero zero months. Um, so even, even your unborn child, you could read it to your unborn child. But when you start to get to, like, 13, 14, 15, they might kind of look at it like, oh, Mom, this is kind of, like, young. Um, so that's mm-hmm. why we want to incorporate more of a comic book strip um, so that way we can reach a, a higher target in terms of the age um, and demographics. So, yeah, right. and another plan that we have to go forward is to um, create mini-series, animated series to turn into an animation series, definitely pitch it to, you know, your favorite um, cartoon stations, so from Disney to PBS Kids and Nickelodeon, um, we're, we'll be pitching to them. So those are all the things that are going on in the back end, so we're writing script. Um, our long-term objective would be an animation movie and then a real-life movie, we even, you know, access, you know, we've thrown around some names in terms of who we want to play or the voice of Aggie We're already brainstorming yeah. all that right now. So it's, it's a, you know, it's going to be a great, you know, journey and definitely, um, you know, check, keep on checking on Aggie the Hunter and see how far he's going. Oh, we definitely will be. Now, uh, tell us where you're going. Now, you're out on tour right now um, doing book signings and things like that. Where can our audience check you out? Yeah, so I'm wrapping up my Bay Area tour. I just came back from D.C. I was able to fit that in because I had an International Women's Day gala. Shout out to Global Connection for Women. Um, They just (laughs) hosted an International uh, Women's Day gala, so I was able to do a book reading at Catholic University um, out there in D.C., but Prior to that, I was, you know, I was in the Bay Area. So I'm wrapping up my Bay Area tour. Next week is my final Bay Area tour. I'm moving on to L.A., and then after that, I'm doing New York, and I'm going to do Atlanta, and so on. All right. Well, keep us abreast of uh, what you're doing. Fairfield, Barnes & Noble store, and then the following weekend, I'll be Hillsdale, San Mateo, Barnes & Noble store. All right, cool. Now, where can we find you on the web to check you out and to purchase? Okay, so definitely go on barnesandnobles.com to purchase Akiti the Hunter. That's A-K-I-T-I, the Hunter. I I strongly suggest every little mo- every mom, grandma, grandpa out there, you definitely want to pick up this book for your child. You know, you definitely want to pick up this book for your child. Um, and then you can go on Amazon.com. You could go through my publisher website at BellaPublishing.com to get the book. He distributes worldwide. And depending on what part of the world that you're in, um, Amazon, um, they have a variation of like um, Amazon UK, Amazon Japan. You can definitely find Akati the Hunter on a, on a worldwide base if you're in different parts of the world. Um, if you're in the U.K., I know Waterstone carries this book. And just search Agatita Hunter, and you'll find where you can order it online or go to the store and pick up a physical copy. And as far as I go, 
Um, I have an organization called Working Moms in Twenties. Um, we're picking up speed. Definitely, you know, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook fan page, um, Working Mom in Twenties, um, and you can also go on our website, WorkingMomInTwenties.com. All right. Well, thank you so much, Balaji, for coming on to The Crystal Show. I am really excited about this book. I really want it to go far, and I love superheroes and comic books, so I'm kind of a geek in that era. And um, we'll be looking for Akati the Hunter. Right now you can read it to your child, which is definitely where you want to start, in the womb. I like that. And then on forward, you know, so that's something that they can look forward to. So then we have to get some um, action figures so they can hold on to Akati the hunter and carry him forth into their new world of kindergarten and all of that and, you know, have all the power that Akati brings to them and and their search for um, the world of of childhood, which you know is is hard to maneuver sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, it is, it is. Um, and one thing I wanted to tell you is that my publisher did say we can give away five free copies to one of your listeners that call in. So definitely give her a call and we'll send you a copy. I know, Crystal, you will forward me their information um, for oh, your first yeah. five callers who want a free copy of Akatita Hunter. So that's our gift to you. Thank you for having us. All right. Did you hear that, people? Okay. All you have to do is call in if you're one of our call-ins, and you can get the free book of Akati the Hunter. And um, if you email me or tweet, if you're a podcast, we love our podcast listeners, if you're a podcast listener and you would like this book, please just um, tweet me or um, go to our website, thecrystalshow.com, which you will find uh, Akati the Hunter down in our um, box. Just scroll down. It's on the front page. So you can get it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Balaji, for coming on and offering your books for free. And we definitely want everyone to pick it up. Yes, and yes, you'll need to copy autographs by me. So we'll talk about that offline. <laughs> All right. <Nice>. Cool. <laughs> thank you All for right. having me. Have a great day. Oh, thank you so much, Balaji. I got you. That's awesome. Yeah, she's wonderful. I mean, I I love the fact that um, she there's a book um, about a black superhero, but you know, African. It's if you you know you look at it, it's it's set in Africa. Mm-hmm. It's you know it's set in um, you know the jungle, as she said, is in the 1800s. But it's a way for young children to see themselves who don't get to see themselves um, portrayed, you know, in um, mm-hmm. in the superhero world. Uh, you know, and you really don't. And, we, you know, we had a show, you know, about that. And did we talk about really any too many blacks in there or African Americans the or at all? Not ones, really. The only ones we talked about were um, the ones that were popular were uh, mm-hmm, Storm mm-hmm. and Black Panther. Right. They're, they're doing this. Uh, they're doing a movie coming up soon about Black Panther, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, then there's yeah. Storm, but then that's pretty much it, really. I mean, even I mean, you have like you know Static Shock, um, you know some of those guys, the, the lesser known DC black heroes, superheroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You don't um, hear about them. You don't know about them. You know, it's that's you know it's kind of 
you know, sad in a way, but you know, it is, it is what it, you know what it is in that sense. So anyway, all right, guys, we're gonna get into our topic, which is uh, the examination of Marcus Graham. In just one second, we're gonna hear from our other sponsor, which is Akati, the um, hunter, and um, and then we'll be right back. Abella Publishing presents Atiki the Hunter. It's a journey as Atiki and his magical dust can transform anyone into any animal in the forest. Atiki is the first African-American action hero, and he wants you and your child to join him on his adventure. This book is beautifully illustrated and gets children excited about reading. Visit www.abellapublishing.com to get a copy for your child today and be a part of this wonderful world of Atiki. www.abellapublishing.com is where you can order today. Yeah, this is a story of famous dogs. But the dog that chases its tail... <laughs> We'll be busy. Dog. kind of the intro to Boomerang. Boomerang the movie. It was a romantic comedy back in 1992. Wow. <laughs> that was, what was that, 22 years ago? Almost 23 years ago? 20, 23 years ago. Yeah. It was a Please, film that, man. yeah, it was directed by Reginald I still Hoffman. Had, I still had, I still had escrow back then. You, <laughs> you had escrow. <laughs> I was just, yeah, I mean, I still had my escrow back then. I mean, you know, Chris Rock had no teeth. You know, he had before his dental work and everything. He had the, pu- the prudential haircut back then. You remember the prudential yes. haircut? Yeah, yes. he had that uh, in the movie. It was hilarious. Uh, the movie stars, of course, Eddie Murphy uh, as Marcus Graham. He was a hotshot advertising exec, which is actually like the best job to be if you're an asshole. Um <laughs> <laughs> and he is a he is a womanizer and he's a male chauvinist. Mm-hmm. When he meets his new boss, Jacqueline Breuer, played by the infamous Robin Givens, uh Marcus discovers that she is essentially a female version of himself, which I run into a lot yes. actually, the male version of me, that's why I'm single. Uh and realizes he is receiving the same treatment that he delivers to others. So, now the examination of Marcus Graham is it's really about archetypes. I was watching this movie, the way I came up with this topic cuz I was I was watching the movie like a few weeks ago. And of course, when I'm just lounging, I'm thinking about work. So, <laughs> lounging. Right, that's 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 my world. But I was I was looking at it and I was like you know what, this would be a good topic because of all the specific archetypes in this movie. You have the good girl, you have the bitch, you know, corporate bitch. You have the Mm -hmm. nice guy, the innocent 
guy. You have the wannabe player as well as the actual player, which is Marcus Graham. So it's you know it's kind of um, it's kind of interesting, is he the different types that was portrayed you know in in this movie. So I thought what a great way to talk about love archetypes and how they work and how they don't work and what we like and what we don't like. But first of all. Let's get into the movie itself. What were some of your thoughts right. about the movie Boomerang? It just for just to refresh some people's memory. They probably everyone will probably have to go out and go. Okay, I need to rent this one more time. I need to watch it. I need, you know. But um, what was your thoughts about the movie? I personally love that movie. Classic. Mm-hmm. I loved it because I wanted to be Marcus Ramp. I was, <laughs> I wanted the. I wanted the 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 bad office corner office. I no, wanted to be the, the one to make those hot shot deals. I wanted to be him. He mm-hmm. made me wanted the the whole, with the, especially when he had the tux. I'm like, yeah, see, that's me. I got to be me, just taller, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I I, I love Boomerang, and the fact that, and this is when I actually started actually liked Halle Berry. Um, yeah, not so much now. Oh my god, you know what? Yeah, I'll, yeah, you know what? I, I thought about that too. Um, and first of all, I want to welcome in um, one of our favorite guests, which is Q from the Talk to Q Radio Show. Hey, Q, how are you? What's going on, people? How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty I want good. A free book. Oh, you want a free book? Okay, that's one. <laughs> that's one collage. Uh, <laughs> and we'll definitely I want to check get it out. A black superhero? You can't beat that. I know, I know. I think it's so wonderful, and she's really doing her thing out there. So we got to support our sisters, our Nigerian sisters. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we All do. right. All right. Well, um, first of all, just like I asked Dre, um, Q, what did you think of the movie? How, did it resonate with you at all, or anything back? If you can think that far back in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely did. Uh, I was in college. Um, just like Dre, I wanted to be Marcus. I wanted that really nice job where all the honeys were paying attention. I could wear nice outfits and things of that nature. Um, and it's also where I really fell in love with Halle Berry. I was cool with her with Strictly Business, but I really fell in love with her on Boomerang. Even though I didn't think her acting was all that great. Um, mm, okay. But the movie, the movie to me just had... It was just, I guess, what made it stand out, and I, I can see it more now than I could back then. It mm-hmm. wasn't like a typical black movie, like some people right. try to, you know, coin all movies that have a bunch of people in the, in the, who are African American descent. Yeah, this wasn't. It could have been a movie where you could have plugged in any race, and it would have been a good movie. It was just a exactly. great story that happened to have great actors for the most part. Right. And uh, right. I think that's what I really enjoyed about it. And you know what? Remember, I don't know if you guys remember, but back then when Eddie Murphy was putting out, uh, of course, the Boomerang, and he did, um, what was the other one? The, um, the Harlem Nights. Well, Harlem Nights. And then what was the other one when he was uh, the prince um, in Africa? America. Right. They kept talking about him saying, oh, he's just making fantasy movies. And I, I was so offended by that. I was offended what because he was. They were saying that because here's a black guy. Um, they were 
specifically talking about Boomerang, but they were also talking about, you know, uh, coming to America. They were saying that because this was a predominantly black film with black actors and they couldn't possibly be princes or queens and they couldn't possibly be so successful as the characters Hmm. in Boomerang. And they called them fantasy films. And I I really thought, I thought he was like... um, doing something that no one else was doing in in black film. Um, not well, at the time, he was. I mean, yeah, right. I not think at the time, and all that. at the time, I think he was doing really well. I mean, this was before, this was like, the you know, because he had the post-SNL time when he had the whole 48-hours franchise. Yeah. You know, so this is between that and Donkey. So, you know, you had, I mean, it, that was like, he was, that was at his zenith, in my opinion. That was his pinnacle. When he made mm-hmm. Coming to America, when he made yeah, uh, Boomerang, when he made Harp, those, those were Eddie Murphy at his greatest, I think. Eddie Murphy, yeah. yeah. I, really that. I think um, Boomerang was one of the last great movies that he made. Because um, yeah. after that was like The Distinguished Gentleman and Beverly Hills Cops 3 and Vampire in Brooklyn. Oh, Black God. Club. But, you know, The Nutty Professor was pretty good. And I actually, I'm one of the three people in the world who saw Metro, and I enjoyed Metro. I did did see Metro when he was in uh, San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that one. I thought that was pretty good. But, um, I mean, he was at his peak around with Coming to America. Because he was coming off of Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2, Golden Child. I mean, he had it going on back then. Yeah. Well, first of all, okay, for, as far as Marcus Graham, now I did um, look at some of the archetypes. Marcus Graham was the archetype called the lover. And um, the lover archetype governs all kinds of love, from parental love to friendship to spiritual love. But it, it's really known for romance. And it brings all sorts of heartache and drama. It helps us uh, experience pleasure achieve intimacy, and make commitments, and follow our bliss. The lover seeks the bliss of true love and the divine couple. Now, I want to play, and I'll be playing, you know, a little bit from um, the movie a little bit, but I want to play one little part, and I'm sure you guys will recognize. See, sometimes I feel like there's a whole world out there we don't know about. Like the shit you read about in Penthouse. Man, stuff like that never happens to me. Man, stuff like that never happens to anybody except for Marcus. Hey, wait a minute. The only reason stuff like that happens to me all the time is because I pay attention to women. Y'all don't pay attention to women. Well, Marcus, I pay attention. No, you have to watch them and study their movies. Get out of here, Marcus. It's an art form, too. You know, I can't do that, man. That's why you don't get no pussy, man. Exactly. Hey, Tyler, there's other things in life besides sex. Come on, how about sharing, commitment, you know, you get to get in touch with your feminine side like me. Starting to, starting to sound low on the soft side. Starting to sound soft, man. Borderline bitch. <laughs> you know what your problem is? You need more romance and less dopamine tension. That's what you need. That's true. That is true. You have too much dog and no romance in your life. Whoa. Well, Marcus, don't even try that. I, you ain't got no romance. I, 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 excuse me. Excuse me. I am the most romantic cat both of you know. Ah, 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 ah. When I meet a woman, I am flowers, I am candy, I am soft music, and Mr. Milkbone. 
No, I admit the romance when I meet a woman, and then once I hit it, I lose interest, but that ain't my fault. Oh, so, uh, in other words, right at that moment of orgasm, just all the romance just skeets right out of you. No, but you can't put that on me. That's not, the onus is not on me. What is so hilarious about that? There's so many parts to that conversation. You know, what do you say now? What Marcus is, and I have to clarify this for you guys, and I'm sure you may know. But for some of you out in the radio land, what Marcus is is called the old school player. He's the old school player. Old school players I've experienced, and I've experienced the new school players. But the old school players uh-huh. are more interesting. They're the ones who are like Marcus. They pay attention to women. And even though they may be, as, you know, he is, he's a male chauvinist, you know, he's a womanizer, but in order to reach his goal, which is, you know, sex and conquering the woman, he treats them to a nice dinner, um, a you know, great wine, great music, the whole romance. He treats them to that night of romance. And, you know, and then afterwards, well, I'm done, you know. <laughs> but he does that. Whereas now the new players that we have and are, don't do that. They just like, hey, baby, hey, you want to fuck or not? You know, we fucking a what? You know, <laughs> that kind of shit. Pretty and much, it, yeah. You know, and it's like, um, can I get wet first, motherfucker? <laughs> but, you know, it's like, you know Can I know your last name? Can you I? Know? What's your last well, name? I don't, I don't care about last names. But do I, you know, can I, get, <laughs> can I have some nice, you know, a nice dinner? Whether, you know, okay, I have to give you a story about one of the ultimate. Uh-oh. Ultimate players that I encountered in my life. And this guy this guy could cook. He had a wonderful place. This Mm -hmm. was in my college days. He had a wonderful apartment. He had uh, a beautiful car. He had you know, he was basically Marcus Graham. And he made this great dinner. I am still thinking about that macaroni and cheese he made. I am still dreaming of that macaroni and cheese because, and it was a beautiful evening. It was wonderful. And so, but that's an experience that I think a lot of, especially young women now who are dealing with these new players, don't get to experience. That's why people, the women keep coming back to that old school player and um, you know it's like a salesman, you know, you know you're uh, if you're a good salesman, then I'm gonna keep coming back to you. And uh, I mean I don't know you you guys ever experienced or you know any kind of old school players? I mean I wish I had uh, Eminem on the line because I'm sure he could talk about that. But have you guys n- known any in your group of guys that kind of an old school player? Oh yeah, of course. I mean I I got a well you know what. Most of my friends are broke, so no, never mind. Um, <laughs> well, he didn't <laughs> He made, you know, a meal at his home. You know, so that, it doesn't well, that's take true. much. That's the whole thing. It doesn't really take much as far as money, per se, is I, is. Concerned. I think in, out of my circle of friends, I think I'm probably Marcus, even though I'm far from it. I think I'm the closest to him. That's like, okay, <laughs> if my group was like the solar system, uh-huh. I would be like Jupiter and the rest of them would be like, you know, Uranus and Venus and whatever, and like Pluto and Neptune. Pluto, Pluto, and then Marcus, and then Marcus was, and then Marcus was the sun. You know, that's how <laughs> I'm far away, but they're even further. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, yeah. 
What about you, Q? You you grew up with any um any old school players? Well, first of all, I'm offended that you assumed that I had to know old school players and I couldn't be an old school player. <laughs> I was wondering if you guys would catch that. <laughs> I mean, come on now. I mean, don't let the calm demeanor fool you. I'm that dude. Okay. Oh, okay. No, but uh, when I was in college, there was this guy. His name um, was uh, Cedric Washington. We called him Sea Wash. He was older than us. He was uh, probably 28. And uh, he was the epitome of an old school player. He was always calm and let things come to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gave us an analogy, like those two players do, and said that, uh, I don't know if any of you have ever been hunting before, but, you know, down in the South, people know about hunting, even if you've never been. Mm-hmm. And um, when people used to rabbit hunt, wherever you run up on the rabbit and it takes off, all you have to do is wait, and eventually the rabbit will circle back around to you and you shoot it. And he said it's the same with women. He said you make your initial contact or whatever, mm-hmm. but because maybe you're not as flashy as the other guys or, you know, throwing money at her or whatever the other guys are doing, she may not pay attention to you right then. He said, but just wait, be consistent, be patient, and she's going to come back to you. And uh, so that was like his little old school advice, but he used to keep the women until he ran across this one who kind of turned them out. But uh, <laughs> everybody yeah. has that one. Everybody has that one. <laughs> yeah. I like that philosophy, though. That's, that's a good analogy. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he um, always but, had bad women. I mean, every time. So. But it's funny, though, but but that's, there's so much truth to that because just in my – you know, short life. Um, you know, it, I was, you know, I would always be the, I was, I was in the, I was the Tyler basically. Okay. Yeah. So I was, <laughs> I was Tyler. So I was a nerd. So, you know, I would, I would always like, and my cousin was like, he was like, Mar- he was more Marcus than I was. So he would be the Marcus. I would be the Tyler. I would lose out. He would get the, like the finest chick. We had this, oh my God, this one chick um, that I, I fell in love with in high school. Mm-hmm. And I was <laughs> I was I was like fourteen I think, and he was a couple years older than me. And then I we did something where I got her phone number and tried to connect, but then they went to the same school. And then so he was like, okay, well you know he tried to talk to her, and she said, well no, your your cousin was first, you know he approached me first, and I guess he was didn't care or whatever. Next thing I know, they were dating. I was like, oh, my life seniority, in heart, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. <It's> terrible. <laughs> but it never worked out. And then eventually, I think she came back maybe like, well, like after I joined the army, I had to become a man. So, um, <laughs> but we never really did connect. No, you become a motherfucker I, with a paycheck. That's what you became. <laughs> right. But I did, I did get him back though. <laughs> I got him back because this one girl, who he was liking, mm-hmm. they, they kept arguing, and she came over to my house during the Christmas break when I was home, and I was like, yeah, I was cool. Payback. Karma rent came around. The rabbit came around. I shot the rabbit. Bang, bang. Oh, bang, bang. <laughs> wow. All right, now our next character is Jacqueline Broyer, which is, of course, my favorite character. 
of the, mm, of the why? movie. <laughs> Played by, again, my illustrious, infamous Robin Givens. Um, she is what's called, her archetype is called the warrior. Um, she is relatively simple in her thought patterns, seeking simply to win whatever confronts her, including the dragons that live inside of her own mind. Under, uh, she underlines the, her fear and weakness, but she has a bad side, of course, which is the villain. She uses her warrior skills for personal gain without thought of morality, ethics, or good. So it's basically, as you know, as it she's is a man. Movie, yeah, she's the man. But in the corporate world, or in the business world of, of a lot of women today, they have to take on those masculine, masculine type of um, roles in order to succeed because you're dealing in a man's world, especially um, when women first came out into business. They realized that, okay, I, I need to dress in this particular suit. I need um, to be taken seriously. I, you know, I need to confront people. But what happens is you get called the bitch and mm -hmm. hardcore bitch, and that trickles into your love life, your relationship life, actually without even realizing that it does. I have witnessed um, many times men, when I, they ask you, of course, so what do you do, what do you, who are you, you know, whatever, um, and I talk about myself, and their eyes kind of glaze over. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure, and, and, and you know, it's not like I'm running a corporate business or per se, but, you know, I mean, I'm sure women who have those kind of statuses, they have to think about that. Should I tell this guy that I have a master's degree? Should I tell him that I have a PhD? Um, should I say, you know, uh, talk about my, you know, um, kind of, my boardroom thing that I've just done, or even just my classes that I'm taking. Should I even acknowledge that? I mean, to him, you know what I mean? Because am I hurting his ego by even saying anything, you know? So that's a dilemma that a lot of women power or of education or who are doing great things within their own life kind of face. Um, am I wrong in that, you guys? No. I mean, because... Nope. That basically, in order to, and I, I'm trying to think about who, you know, as far as you know, the the warrior. But see, that's the the women in the marketplace, or marketplace in the in that corporate executive realm of of corporate America. You have mm -hmm. to be like that because you have to wear a set in order to be able to get that power lunch, get that account um, to get ahead. And, yeah, you're called a bitch. You're called, you know, feminazi, whatever, you know. And But it's the truth. There's a lot of truth to it. I mean, and, and unfortunately, a lot of them end up being alone or they end up being like players like, you know, like, like Marcus or like her, like Jacqueline. You're like Jacqueline Breuer, but, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's, not, it's not atypical. Hmm. What do you think, Q? Is that intimidating? Is that something women should maybe keep to themselves until the third date or something? <laughs> now we're talking about like, the oh, dating by the way, part or the corporate America part, <laughs> or just any, you know whatever uh, that they are successful in whatever they're they're doing. 
And no, she shouldn't hide it. I mean, if a man gets intimidated, well, excuse me, let me refer that. If a guy gets intimidated, then he's mm-hmm. not a man. So, um, you know, she doesn't have to waste her time on a second or third date. Um, I, I mean, no, no man's going to be intimidated by a woman's success. If anything, that's just one less thing you have to worry about as far as finances, you know. Um, as far as, um, like, in a corporate workplace and women having to be assertive and aggressive, and I don't have a problem with that whatsoever because, you know, when in Rome, who has the Romans? And when you look at who's the most successful people on the planet, is mm-hmm. older white guys. So mm-hmm. if you're doing what they're doing, you're probably going to wind up winning. Um mm-hmm. And I know that might make a lot of people upset to hear that, a lot of black people. And, you know, well, how come I can't wear my natural hair or how come I can't have dreadlocks? And <laughs> I right. mean, you can, you know, mm-hmm. but, I, I mean, it's just going to be that much harder. And you have to work that much harder in order to get recognized. So if you're kind of fitting in with what they're doing, then you can get some of that success. It may not be popular, but um, if you don't like it, you know, start your own business. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. All right, here's another scene um, from the movie that's quite interesting. Good evening, boss. Please do not call me that. I want you to think of me as your colleague. So tell me something. You excited about working with Stranger? <laughs> Stop. You know I didn't come up here to talk to you about no Stranger. I came up here to talk to you about us. I'm rapping. This is my Mac Daddy vibe I'm giving you in all of its splendor. What's up? Oh, this really? The, yes. I'm the Alleganza Mac Daddy of the month. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, let me let me get a good look. Check it. Check it. It's like Jet Magazine. <laughs> What's up? You are absolutely wonderful. But I, I think that we should kind of make this clear right from the start so there's no misunderstanding. You see, I don't date men I work with. And then I quit. You can't quit. Because I need you. No. No. And let me assure you of something. When I seduce you, if I decide to seduce you, don't worry. You'll know. Now, what she did there was similar to what a lot of guys do. Um, yeah, that was player. Yeah, yeah, you you tell them exactly. See, this is what happens. This is why I always look at women, and you know, and I go, "What the hell is wrong with you?" Because a lot of times, men tell you exactly what they want from the beginning. You may not hear it, but they're telling you. Just like she's mm-hmm. saying to him, "Look." I don't date men that I work with. This is about, if if I do seduce you, it's just going to be about sex. It's not going to be about anything else. And um, here it is. You know, I'm, I'm being as transparent as I possibly can be. Um, now, for a woman saying that, a man hears challenge. This is a challenge. <laughs> I'm just going to get this, and I'm going to hit it, and I'm going to have a great time. But, of course, we know as we look at the movie, that doesn't exactly happen that way. But also for women, they look at it as, yeah, a challenge, but a challenge to change, to change this man into husband <laughs> or whatever. So it, it, it's really interesting.
interesting when in relationships, in the beginning, we actually do tell you what we want. We tell every person, even though, you know, he may be the player, he may be doing the romance, but he still is telling you what he really wants in this relationship. He's not holding anything back. So why do you think, you know, guys, why do you think that women or men only hear what they want to hear? And they don't hear the reality of what the relationship really is a, is going to be about. They want to hear what they want to hear because <clears throat> that's what they're looking for. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, underneath if all, I'm all looking, of it. If I'm looking for her to say, yes, Andre, you know, I love you, and you're going to make me very happy, even though she said, let's meet at McDonald's, I'm looking <laughs> You know, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm. All I heard was blah blah blah. I love you, blah blah blah. You ain't hear <laughs> right. Shamrock Shake. You ain't hear Chicken McNugget. Nothing. Okay. So yeah, we 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 look for it because that's what we want to hear. So vice versa. And Q, do you think that um, men are taught to say certain cues in uh, the beginning of the relationship to get what they want? Um, I think so. I mean, those type of guys who may be looking to take advantage of something and get leverage, um, there are certain things they're going to kind of put out there as a feeler. Uh, well, one, as a feeler to kind of gauge, you know, how she's going to react to it. And then two, in order to come back to it later and say, well, remember when I told you back two months ago that I was only looking for this and everything? And so I think guys absolutely do that. Uh as kind of a way to protect themselves or to justify whatever their intentions may be in the future. And here's another thing that happens in the beginning of a relationship. We don't ask the right questions. And um, I have heard this said so many times, well, you know, at the end of relationships or in the middle or whatever, and you're having that argument, it's like, well, you didn't ask me that. You didn't ask me if I was married. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, sorry. You didn't to mention yeah, that you didn't. You didn't ask me that. You know, you didn't ask me if I had any kids. You didn't ask me whatever. Um, or the you know the subtleties of, well, I never took you to meet my mother. Why was that? I mean, you knew what we were doing. Um, you knew what this was. So. You know, I mean, those kinds of things. I think people are so afraid to ask those hard questions in the beginning. Like, number one, so what are you saying? So what you're saying is you want just sex and that's it. Um, Or so what you're saying is you're married and you have two kids. (laughs) Okay, but here's my my question about that. Okay, Mm -hmm. is it my responsibility to ask if you're married, if you're the one that's married? Yes. Yeah. How? It is. And let me tell you why. Because the person who is married who is trying to sleep with you is deliberately deceiving you. Okay? They're doing that on purpose. Okay? They're not offering this information because, hello, you're not going to want to be with me if you know I'm married. Now, if you happen to meet me and I was with my wife or husband, then I'm going to tell you that 
she is a complete bitch who is ruining my life and I'm only with her because of the kids. Or he takes care of everything and I'm scared to leave because he's a crazy motherfucker. And, you know, either way, you've got two innocent people who adore this person who is talking to you and just wants everything to work out. So, yes, it is your responsibility to say, are you married? I mean, that I think you should do that in the first damn date. Or, hell, man, probably even oh. before you get to that date. Okay, but think about this for a second. If I'm, if I'm meeting a nice young lady, okay, <clears throat> we're wherever, somewhere, okay, we're having a conversation, and the conversation is really, I mean, we're talking like full duplex dialogue, intellectual conversation going on here, a couple of jokes, yeah. you know, ha, ha, he, he, yeah. and the vibe is evident, okay, so you're saying that with all of that, I still have to make sure to ask, oh, by the way, are you married? Yes, Because yes. my thing is, but see, my thing is this: if she is or is not, she probably would to let me know ahead of time if she was normal. Because, no. yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm gonna keep going, and I'm gonna keep going until I get what I want or get what I need. Because at this point, if I'm if I've gotten that far, oh, it's a wrap, dude, for real. Just being, I'm just being, it's a wrap. So yeah, you better make sure you tell me that because if not, I'm gonna it's it's kind of full court press, whatever you want to call it, you know, whatever. All right, Q, what do you think about that? I should, um should they ask? Should people ask these questions? Yeah, I think people should ask. I agree with you, Crystal. I understand what Dre is saying, um, but I'm going to ask like really soon, right towards the beginning, uh, so I can just find out because I assume if if I come across a good looking woman, right, and she looks like she has it going on, I'm gonna assume she has someone until she tells me otherwise. You know, she may not be happy or something like that, but I need to know two things, you know. Are you committed to someone else legally or emotionally? Or and is there some dude who thinks he's your man that's hanging around. <laughs> right? That you know? crazy motherfucker in the bushes. Right, right, the one you re- referenced earlier. So right. I, those are questions that I have to ask so I can know. And, yeah, if she's the type of who's going to deceive you, then she's going to lie anyway. But I'd mm-hmm. rather ask and have her lie than to not ask at all. You know, and on the third date, it's like, oh, I got to go call my husband and check in right quick, you know. <laughs> They might have an open relationship or something. You never know what people are doing these days. So it might, know what? Cool. it might be cool for her to date people, but, it, you know, I might not be cool with that. So, Well, you know what? I, I have talked to my daughter about <clears throat> these kinds of things, of course, and um, she just thinks I'm crazy. But <laughs> I, ask, I ask her questions about, you know, her boyfriend from time, just general questions you know, like, what's his favorite color? You know, things like that. And she's like, I don't know. I'm like, why don't you know that? How long have you been dating this person? Why don't you know these basic information? And mainly it's backstory. Like, backstory. Like, um, uh, you know, his mother and father are together. Okay, how long have they been together? Like, I don't know. I was like, well, how don't you, why don't you know that? Because... What are you talking about when you're sitting together? And this is this is my thing in, in the first few dates of, of people. 
what in the hell are you discussing that you're not discussing their personal life? Who are you? Or I mean, to me, yeah, you don't knowing, knowing whether a person is married, knowing, you know, those kinds of, to me, that's a basic question. Just like, where do you live? How long have you been working at your job? Uh, I mean, what else are we talking about? <laughs> the weather? Yeah, the last episode of the TV that you both saw that you have an interest in. I mean, exactly. I, I mean, what? I listen to kids and what they discuss, and they're discussing TV, music, movies. Um, they don't know a thing about one another. They really don't. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all about. It's more so about common interests than mm. being having something in common. I think that's the, if that sounds right. Well, My they, common like interest with someone. Like common interest. Yeah. Right. Right. Because like you would okay, you and I like you and I, Crystal. Sci-fi freaks, mm-hmm. you know, well, all three of us actually, you know, sci-fi freaks, right? Yeah. We're nerdy people by nature. Nerdy by, nerdy by nature. Nerdy by but, um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. I'm just okay, saying, man, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done with SG-1. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> all right, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. All right, all right, all right, all right cool. I, but at the same time, when when we were when we were coming up, we're, we're in a different era because as I think about it, nobody had when we were growing up trying to do all this Mac Daddy stuff and the whole game and chasing, shooting a rabbit and trying to catch a squirrel, or whatever. We didn't have social media. We didn't have none of this stuff. We didn't have anything to compare to. We had to ask. Think about the library where you had to pull up the card catalog and have to search this stuff. That's how we were. We didn't have to Google. I didn't have to Google your interests. Now I have to. I can just Google whatever you like and say, oh, that's cool, you know. And, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I saw Big Bang Theory. I love Sheldon. I like Raj, but we both like the same show, so it's cool. We have something in common. Oh, okay, let's date, you know, and that's what they do. We don't ask questions. Like, okay, well, yeah, well, what's up? What do you do? What do you do? What do you, you know, what's your name? What's your sign? That kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it's it's different for that generation than it is for us. And we don't have, we had to talk. Well, well, you know, but I think that um, a lot of it is fear. We, we don't want to hear the answer. If we ask if if he's married, then if he says, well, yeah, I'm married, but we're separated, (laughs) which means since breakfast, and um, or you know, what do you know what I mean? Or you know, I'm separated, but we still sleep together when we go. Or I have a baby mama. I have this, but th- those kinds of things we don't want to really know about. So we don't ask because we don't want to know. And I think that happens on on both sides, not just females, but but guys as well. We do, we just don't want to know. Um, although guys love to ask the question of, oh, you're single? What the hell's wrong with you? Um, when was your last? When did you last go out with somebody? I mean, guys seem to really want to know that specifically, more so than women do. But um, but yeah, okay. So here's another little um drop from the um movie that I thought was really interesting. Yo, man, see your last boat. The term is gay, all right, Tyler? Just because a woman won't sleep with you doesn't mean that she's homosexual. Hey, she's not a lesbian, okay? <laughs> Yo, man, it's been about three weeks, so... She's not a lesbian, man. You bang Angela yet? Oh, good question, good question. I mean, Angela and I are just trying to get to know each other on a platonic level, all right? Uh, oh, okay. 
So in other words, you ain't hit the twist line. Not a drop. Twist line. What's that? Another one of your colloquialisms for vagina, Tyler? You know what I'm talking about. Yo, don't even try. You know I get mine. Oh, brother, yeah, please. You know. Hey, listen, you are the no pussy getting this talking this shit in this cat I know. <laughs> so, uh, mother, yo, don't even try that. You know me. For real. And all I'm saying to you is that if you ain't banging Jacqueline yet, something wrong with her, man. Or something wrong with the Twizzard. There's nothing wrong with Jacqueline. There's nothing wrong with me. It's going to take a little longer than I thought. Okay, this part it has a couple of things. One was um, the fact that being platonic with somebody is obviously not a good thing. And I always wonder, and I, it always goes back to this for me personally, mm-hmm. about being friends. Because when I was growing up, I had a lot of male friends. I mean, as, as a child. And um, just by accident, because my cousin uh, was a was a guy, and he hung out with my um, over my my grandfather's house who was raising me and he had a lot of male friends. So they all came over and played. So I had a lot of male friends and I, we grew up together. So, um, but that platonic thing, when I got into high school and I was trying to explain to my boyfriend why all these guys were around that I wasn't sleeping with, (laughs) but they were around because I grew up with them. He couldn't understand that. So I like to ask you guys, what is it about being platonic with a woman that seems so foreign. I mean, is that something that you really, literally can't do? Nope. Um, <laughs> nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think there there is that possibility where you have a platonic friend where it's just a friend that you you just there's nothing in. I, I think in the recesses of the back corner of your mind, you wish it was something that could happen, mm-hmm. but that that's so minute, and law of averages goes totally against you to where, okay, yeah, I'm not going to even think about that, so I'll just be friends with it, and that's it. Because at that point, and then you've gotten to be friends for so long that it was kind of like in Brown Sugar, how, um, uh, what, what, yeah, when uh dude was um I forgot the guy's name already, but you know you know the you yeah, remember yeah, yeah. Brown Sugar, right? Right. Okay. They well were where how they were Sydney Sid and Drake, uh um were <laughs> was his friends name, Drake? For, Yeah, it was. It was so much. That's hilarious. <laughs> so anyway, they were ahead. friends for so long and then they ended up in bed together and that kinda killed it. Initially, until they got, you know, of course, you know, it's well, it never changed, failed. Well, it changed the situation. Yeah, right, right. It changed it. Yeah. You know, now, granted, they ended up being together in the movie, obviously, but, you know, toward the end. But that one part strained that whole, it was tension in the air. You could cut it. So, yeah. you know, you know that that's my, that's my take on it. I mean, you still have that one, like, maybe one time, but then all the rest of that stuff kind of, like, goes out, you know, it's like, oh, no, sorry, because you guys play video games together, you guys drink together, you guys are sharing each other's things about each other's dating things, so he's giving you advice, you're giving her advice, and all that, and it kind of clouds all that stuff. Well, Q, what do you think? Can you be friends with a woman, just friends? Yeah, I mean, when I was married, uh, I didn't have any other option. So over the course of my t- 10 years of marriage, I met quite a few female friends. And um, after my wife passed away, 
and those women became available to me, it kind of presented a problem in a way for a couple of them because um, there were a couple who were interested. And so I they were really just in the wings, just waiting yeah, in the wings. Yeah, I didn't really guys. feel the same way about them. And then there were a couple that piqued my interest, and maybe they didn't feel the same way about me. But um, a lot of time for guys, nine times out of ten, is that is that hunting rabbits thing again. It's the mm-hmm. ultimate wait. You're going to wait until she has a weak moment and realizes how wonderful you are, uh, which rarely happens. But, uh, <laughs> and, you know, that's how, you know, some guys get stuck in the friend zone and she calls you and cries on your shoulder and then she goes and bangs Ray Ray the next day. Um, <laughs> but for the most part, I, I it, it is possible. It is possible because I had quite a few female friends and it was never anything inappropriate. It wasn't any flirting, you know. And, you know, if I had a friend, then they knew my life. So, you know, it wasn't like one-way friends or anything. Any friends of mine were friends of hers. So she mm-hmm. got opportunity to meet, have lunch with them, with us, and things of that nature. So it can be done. It's just a mindset. You know, it is. I've Like I said, I've had uh, many male friends, and um, I gravitate towards males as friends uh, more so than women, but um, the it is hard. I, there was one particular male friend I had in college who, he was literally my friend, but I had to, and I always made it a point to meet the wife or the girlfriend because I wanted them to see me and to talk to me to understand that this is just friendship, you know, and this is not anything else. Although I've had had a relationship that started out as friends where it became something more, which was actually the best relationship I ever had in my life. And then I've had a relationship that started out as a relationship, and I wish we had just been friends because we were actually really good together as friends, and we had a lot in common, but the relationship shit fucked that up. (laughs) You know, so... So, yeah, I mean, yeah, the whole sex thing really does can screw up a relationship or a good friendship. But what happens is that it's hard to, you you meet somebody as a male or female or whatever, a male and female meet each other, and they find that they have a lot in common. They They laugh at the same kinds of jokes, they like the same kinds of things, and they just enjoy being around each other, but they can't. Because either one or the other or whatever, or just society says, no, you can't be this person because you can't just be friends with her. You have to screw her or something's wrong with you. Or, you know, whatever. Or you have that, you know, that moment where the other person is feeling down and there's a, there's a lull in the conversation uh-huh. and he's looking at her tits and She's looking at his eyes or whatever, and then all of a sudden, kissing and hugging and kissing. You know, it's like, and there's a part of that in the movie too, when um, uh, the Eddie Murphy character Martin, Martin, Lord, uh, Marcus is actually interested in Angela, who is the you know main love interest in the end of him. Who they they first became just friends but actually it turned into something more. So, but it's hard to just have that. And I have been disappointed so much in my beginning friendships with guys because 
then it's like, okay, now when are we going to fuck kind of a thing. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought we were just friends. Why are we having this conversation? Oh, my God. Because I'm thinking of this guy as like a brother. And like, ew, I don't want to screw you. But you know what, Crystal? Yeah. What I learned um, from dating a friend back in college, um, a couple of friends that come to mind, is that, you know, you accept your friends for their flaws. Okay. You know some of your friends are really messed up, but because that's your friend, you accept it. It's different when you're in a relationship. Like this lady that I was friends with in college and we wound up up dating, she made horrible choices in men, okay? Mm -hmm. She made a lot of bad decisions. She, She slept with a lot of the wrong guys and things of that nature. So why I thought that she would be perfect for me or she thought she would be perfect for me, I have no idea. So when we got together, I bored her to death because I respected her. You know, God forbid I respected her. And I bored her to death and we didn't work out. Now, you know, we were able to kind of save our friendship some way. But I think that's what a lot of people may miss. You're accepting Mm. this person's flaws as a friend. But when that when you have to deal with those flaws as a significant other, it's different. Because there's certain things you're not going to put up with from your significant others that you might put up with with your friend. Because you can tell your friend to go home and the next day y'all are cool. It doesn't work like that in relationships. Well, you know, you make a good point. And that should be like some of the, the main points of a, of a true, truly good re- love relationship is that you accept a person's flaws and they love you anyway. But you're right. I mean, just because, and that's the whole key. I mean, the being friends, like, you two were friends, but as a relationship, it didn't work, you know, whatever. But then you miss out on that great friendship that you already had. And it's like, why screw that up? And it's, and, and, but, it, but it's hard, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. All right. I well, like let's, big butts, um, and I cannot lie. All right. Okay. All right. So another part of the movie that was good was the, to me, one of the infamous scenes where um, Jacqueline kind of realizes that Marcus is getting a little bit too serious. He's not supposed to. That's not why I came here. I came here to tell you what a wonderful time I had in New Orleans. Marcus? And it was. Hon, I don't think that we should do this in the office. What? I, I really don't. Stop bugging me. I got a couple of cups. So I'll get up top of the desk and get oh. frisking the crazy. Oh. Um... Listen, you're not getting serious on me, are you? What are you talking about? Am I getting serious? What is that? Well, you know, where you want this to to grow into a relationship where, God, we're together all the time, stuff like that. Uh, ex- are you? Excuse me. <laughs> I, I know that you're not telling me that New Orleans was a flame. Oh, no, no. I had a great time in New Orleans. You know I had a great time in New Orleans. So what's the problem? Well, I just think that New Orleans was New Orleans, and we should leave it at that. <laughs> oh, it's not like I'm trying to, you know, pressure you or anything like that. Oh, no. No, 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 no. I'm not proposing or anything, you know. <laughs> of course Like My tuxedo was ironed and I'm like that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I believe in taking things slow, too. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Just wondering when we could see each other again, that's all. I don't know. 
kind of busy right now. I just found out that I'm going to have to be spending a lot of time out of town, so I'll get back to you, okay? Get back to me? <laughs> I don't have my schedule. My secretary's out of town. He wants some kind of office pool, so I'll call you. Marcus, with regards to us doing it again, I'll get back to you. That's a, that's a new one on Marcus. Well, uh, just don't make me wait too long, because it's not like i got to, you know, sit by the telephone and wait for somebody to get back to me, you know what I'm saying? No, no, I realize that you of all people will not be waiting alone, so I will try and get back to you soon. You're going to call me, right? <laughs> so this is, this is actually, you know, the pivotal point in the movie when you realize that um, he has met his match. That you know, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, the whole thing is, I've met somebody who is not interested in me, and now I'd like to ask you guys: Have you ever been in a situation? where you've met your match, that a, a woman has presented herself completely blindsided you with what she really wanted, and it was like, what the fuck just happened here? My ego is shattered. Shamefully, yes. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been like, what? Really? That's what? That's my line. What? Wait, time out. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, and it, it, I tell you what, it hurts bad. Oh my god, yeah, I was in the fetal position in the corner of my room, man. It was like <laughs> that. that I'm like, God, I can't. Oh my god, why? There's a whole slow wall slide down the, you know. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was brutal, man. It was, Cause Do you want to share I, your your horrible? Um, I left myself. Why? I mean, it was like that one UFC fight, and the guy gets you right in the liver. Pow! He's like, oh, it hurt. Yeah, that's how it was. And um, with mine, I mean, first of all, I was cracking up on that clip because Marcus was so thirsty in that clip. But um, <laughs> <laughs> my goodness, in love, baby. <laughs> But uh, my I don't think mine was as as bad. But there was this one lady that I dated when I first moved out of my parents' house, and I thought I mean I was really aggressive with her um, because that's around the time where I just said you know what I'm just gonna go for what I know, and um, she bought into it, and I thought I had her hook line and sinker, and then after we uh, a few dates she kind of flipped the script on me and. Basically, I almost she made me appear as an option. You know, here it is. I'm thinking that she just had to be around me. She always called me. She always wanted to come by. And uh, then, you know, the next thing I know, it's like she, I was an option. And so I found myself <laughs> chasing her. Um, and it just, you know, after a couple of weeks of that, I just sat down. I'm like, what in the world just happened? Hold on. It's like <laughs> what I had her eat out of the palm of my hand. And now I'm calling her, you know, a asking her if her kid wants a play date, you know, just so I can see her, wow. you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I have no idea what happened, but um, I ultimately wound up being the side piece um, down the line. Wow. Um, so, yeah, but I couldn't figure it out. It's just like over a two-week period of time, things just changed. 
Wow. Well, you know what? I will have to say for myself, when I was in college, um, about my sophomore to into junior year, I um, had broken up with someone which didn't last long. We got back together. But <clears throat> during that period of time that we were broken up and I went back to school, I was on a mission to crush every good-looking guy I could. And um, that's exactly what I did. So what I what I did was I did not go out with regular guys. I only targeted the very um, confident, very attractive players. And when I got them, I told them the same exact thing, that I'm not interested in a relationship, that um, I do date other men, and that before you come over, you must call. Or if you don't call, then you are responsible for whatever you see, because I will probably be with somebody else. And what I enjoyed the most out of that conversation was the reaction on their face. Was they went from confident to, what the fuck did this bitch just say to me? You know, it's like, do you know who is sitting in front of you kind of a thing? And I love that. I love bursting their bubble. I I loved it. I, I reveled in it. That was my food at that time. And it was about getting getting back at, you know, the guy. of course the guy I had just broken up with who broke my heart so i decided um i was going to just basically break every guy's heart and um i you know i couldn't break the nice guy's heart because you know what fun is that so you break the guy's heart who is who <laughs> you know thinks he's such a you know great guy and it was a, it was beautiful because i you know and that's and i when i looked at the movie and i was looking at um Robin's character, Jacqueline, I think that's exactly in that in that scene when she saw and she was telling him, well, you know, I know you don't have to wait alone, so I'll get back with you. And he was like, you're going to call me, right? He was like, yeah, motherfucker. Thirsty. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was beautiful. You know, that's why, of course, I identified with the movie. <laughs> you're going to call me, right? <laughs> Yeah, you're right. You know, and that's the whole thing. I think a lot of men feel that women are just sitting by and waiting for you to call them, and yeah. for and and maybe a lot of them are, and but there yes, are some are. who are not, and that is how you burst their bubble. But of course, when you do that as a woman, you don't. You know, no one high fives you and says, "Oh yeah, go girl, kick his ass." No, he's like, "Oh damn, you a hoe." You know, and it's like, you know, so it's it's just kind of a, a double edged sword kind of a thing for women. For men, yeah, they get high fived. For women, you're a hoe. <laughs> so, all right. Oh so my god, yeah, that is that was that was good. For Martin Lawrence's character, Tyler, Tyler Hawkins is, he's like the, um, not so much the opposite of Marcus, but he's like right underneath. He's like Marcus's assistant. He's like the wannabe player. He's like. Oh, he's very the, much so. 
Yeah, he's the fool. He's the jester. That's the archetype that he is. He urges us to enjoy life and to enjoy our mm-hmm. process of life, although the fool and jester can be prone to laziness and dissipation. They, they're they positive, and they invite us to come out and play, showing us how to turn our work, our interactions with others, and even the most mundane task into fun. The goal of the jester is the wisest of goal of all, which is just to enjoy life as it is with all its paradoxes and all of its, its dilemmas. Because you remember in the movie, he got really upset when his boys were beefing, you know, and he had to bring them together. He was like, no, 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 because we're boys. How can we do this? He was really hurt, and he was you know, on the verge of tears because they were you know, at odds with each other. And so he is the kind of guy, he wants everybody to be happy. He wants all of his friends to be friends. He even, I love the fact that he would talk about the race and he would, you know, he have all these correlations to the race, especially like the pool table. He was like the black and all the balls (laughs) were all colors. And it's over when the white ball knocks the black ball off the table. (laughs) All those kinds of you know, analogies he had, you know, but, um, yeah, that's his archetype is, you know, he's a wannabe player. And then we have lots of guys who are wannabe players. They think they're players, but they're really not because they don't have the women that um, someone like a Marcus has. Because, again, remember in the beginning, Marcus pays attention to women. Right. And and someone like a um, Tyler he doesn't really pay attention. He takes the easy route. He's a little lazy in his um, thought process. So he doesn't t- pay attention to women. So that's why he gets rejected so many times. And he ends up taking women he found in the emergency room. <laughs> like on, you know what? Like, you know what's, what's Baby, got to figure this out. <laughs> You're right. But, um, you know, Marcus, I mean, Tyler, you know who Tyler's character reminds me of? Who? This is funny. Hmm. The Lau in House Party. Played by the same guy, the oh. third wheel. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, funny guy. Could not yeah, right. get a date to save his. He couldn't get a date on a calendar. Okay, so <laughs> right. you know, yeah. it, but it was just funny how it's like you know what, and, that, and it just hit me. It's like that's Bilal this dressed better. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was just funny to me. <laughs> now the other, he did, he did the same. Okay, I'm sorry. sorry. He did the same. He did the same thing at house party too when Kid and Play were fighting and arguing. Who right. was the mediator? Bilal. Yeah, he was he was definitely the jester in, in that movie as well. Because, you know, it's Martin Lawrence. He's great at mm-hmm. being that type because he's funny and quirky and kind of a nerdy kind of funny, you know, kind of guy. Mm-hmm. What were you saying, Q? I was going to say, I think every guy has one of those guys in their circle. Um, yeah. The one who acts like he knows it all, act like he's been with a bunch of women, but he's really living vicariously through you, like undercover. Yeah, um, okay. I mean, oh, he, yeah. he admires you. Now, he'll criticize you, call you weak, call you a chump and everything, but he's basically admiring everything you do because he doesn't have any success himself. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, another uh, caricature um, or archetype, is uh, Angela, Angela Lewis. Now, who is played by Halle Berry? She is the uh, archetype of the caregiver. 
she um, is altruistic. She has she's moved by compassion. She's generous. Yep. She's selflessness, and she helps others. You know, like she helps Marcus out of her out of his um, you know, when he breaks up with Jacqueline and he's feeling all sorry for himself. She you know breaks him out of that. She decides I'm going to take you to meet these kids. Are you going to go painting? And we're going to have a great time. And um, but also the caregiver is a martyr a lot of times they tend to they think of other people's feelings before themselves which actually leaves them you know kind of alone or not true not feeling um not getting their needs met they're too busy worrying about other people caregivers first to seek help of others which they do with compassion and generosity but the risk Mm-hmm. is that they take their own pursuit to help others and they may end up being harmed themselves, which she, in the end, she was harmed. Um, and of course, we have a happy ending, but in, in generality, that probably wouldn't have happened. He wouldn't have come back in the end of the movie and said all those wonderful things. He would have said, well, that's one that got away, and he would have moved on to the next girl and started fresh. Right. You know, inside it, okay, well, I'll just do better the next time. (laughs) You know, he wouldn't have put himself out there like that. But actually, the Angela character, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but the Angela character, the caregiver, is usually the kind of person that men actually marry. They come back for. Exactly, which is why he he ended up coming back to her in the end, because... He knows basically, okay, she put up with my crap, <laughs> you know. She put up with me dealing with Angela. She put up with me being played by Angela, and, you know, she, you know, helped me through it, and she was yep, my motivator. She was him. my, you know, she was my Hallmark card, you know, through mm-hmm. the whole thing. And, you know, but as soon as, Jacqueline was like, "Hey, uh, you know, you, can I be honest? Uh, you were, you know, you were pretty good there today. So I right. got going on again." Uh, and <laughs> but he knows she's not going anywhere, so that's why mm-hmm. he goes back to Angela. So yeah, that that is that is the typical wife. Yeah. What do you think, Q? Is, is Angela the type of woman that most men marry the caregiver? Most definitely. Uh, that's what guys ultimately look for. I mean, you have the women you take home, and you have the women you take home to mom. Um, right. And that's what she was. And uh, I, I mean, and you know, guys want to, just like, and I'll use Show Legend Ray, for example, how he mm-hmm. always talks about how women go through all the bad boys, and after they go through the bad boys, they wind up looking for that good guy in the end. Yeah. I mean, Guys do the same thing, you know. Mm-hmm. We we chase after the cheetahs, the really fast, hot chicks, and right. then when it's all said and done, we want someone that we can actually um, build a future with, you know. So I think both genders do it. It's just like most times in society, women just get the short end of the stick when it comes now, to society's judgment. That's true. Now Gerard, who is David Allen Greer in the movie. Um, he's the archetype of of the innocent. And the innocent um, is that life need not be so hard. 
and they feel they're very spontaneous, they're trusting, um, they're a bit dependent on people, but they have an optimism that takes them through their journey. And that's the thing with Gerard, that even in the end when he's dealing with Marcus, um, and, and as through the whole movie he's saying to each of them, you know, be better, be a better person, don't think of this woman as just a lay or whatever, you know, <laughs> think of him as, you know, as better. He's basically the optimist, you know, and people think that he's weak and um, that he's not, you know, a very strong person, but he's very heroic, actually, in the movie. And, and here's one of my favorite scenes uh, with Gerard um, that I find interesting. Did you sleep with Angela? Yeah, I did. Why do you always have to have all the girls, Marcus? You just said a couple of seconds ago you didn't care who she went out with. Now you find out it's me and you're flipping, you know? You're being a hypocrite. I don't want to hear that bullshit, man! This is different. Angela is a nice girl. So I can't be with a nice girl? No! Because all you're going to do is dog her out like you do every woman in your life. <sighs> okay, tell me this, man. Why Angela? What, she has nice feet? Oh, nothing to do with her feet or anything like that, man. I care about this I mean, girl. You don't care about nobody but yourself, man. So he brings, actually, the honesty to Marcus that he needed to hear. And that was real. You know, because that it did, did end up happening because he, of course, went through his same pattern. As you said, he went back to Jacqueline just for that one night, even though he realized in that encounter with Jacqueline that, hell, I really don't love you. I really don't want to be with you. I'd rather be with Angela. But you came anyway, motherfucker. Mm. You know? And when did you have this just, you know, epiphany, you know, before or after you came? You know, so it's like, you know, he knew that he would, he would do this and he would, you know, revert back to his, his old ways. So Gerard is really, you know, kind of like the hero of the movie of, or our moral compass, you know, of yeah. the movie. Yeah, he wasn't a hero. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, 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 he owns the friend zone. Yeah. Basically. Um, and that was that guy. And I played that part, again, with my cousin because my cousin was Marcus. And I played that part a couple of times when, you know, and I did work in my, for my, in my advantage once. But for that, for the most part, it was just like, why is your cousin so this and that? Why is your cousin this that? Well, you know, I'm just, he, that's just how he is. I mean, I don't know. But you're so sweet, Andre, you know. Oh, my God, you're such a nice guy. I'm like, really? That's it? That's all I get? You know? I mean, I get a church hug, you know. It's just like, you know, church I don't nothing close. <laughs> I get a church hug, you know. I She, you know. She can call me at 2 a.m. because she's emotionally distraught, but I can't do that because she's probably with the dude that she's been distraught over. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so that's, yep, that is Gerard for real. Well, there, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. And speaking as a female, I'm going to tell you what that reason is. If you present yourself or are the nice guy, um, the church going guy, whatever, then. I feel safe with you. I feel safe to talk about my problems, and I feel that you're not going to take advantage of me, and you're not going to, you know, you're going to actually listen to me and give me actual advice, and that advice is not going to 
end with me saying, well, or with you saying, well, okay, now let's sleep together because you're not going to go there with me. I, I'm, I'm safe and I can open myself up to you. So what's wrong with that? Everything. Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking out loud. <laughs> I was thinking out loud. My bad. Mm-hmm. I used to be that guy. And then um, at some point I said I'd never be that guy again. There has to be a balance. Um, I mean, if necessary, you know, if I'm in a relationship, yeah, I can be that that friend. Um, but if I'm single, then all bets are off. I'll be nice to you. I'll give you um, unbiased advice or whatever. But if you, you know, have a weak moment with me, I'll try to sleep with you. So wow. uh, <laughs> I, I, I just, but my thing is, I will let that be known up front. I mean, I will flirt and all that other stuff. I'm not going to just try to be your friend and then sneak it in on you. You will know from the jump that, hey, I'm interested in you, but I'm willing to give you the advice you need or, you know, I don't, you know, I still care and everything. But just so you know that uh, (laughs) my hat's in the ring. So you slip up. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So you know. Well, you are a Scorpio, so there it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now here was a, here was a scene that um that Dre was alluding to a little bit earlier. Very nice of the old market stop. I was kind of worried about you. Really? You seemed um you seemed so I don't know. Can I be honest? Please. Well, you seemed. Desperate and unsure of yourself. Uh-huh. <laughs> pathetic. Kind of pathetic. Ah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Look at you now. You're, you're relaxed. You're more confident. Just like the man I met in that elevator. Oh, I got it going on again. Yeah, you do. I like it. Uh-huh. I find it very attractive. Now, what she was saying there is something that I think, and I've said so many times over and over again in so many different ways, for nice guys. Uh She said, you're relaxed, you're confident, you're sure of yourself, and basically, you got it going on. Now, why can't a nice guy, as you guys, you know, were talking about earlier, why can't nice guys be that, be that way? Be just confident. You don't have to be a Marcus, you know, that's complete sleaze and ass just to be a nice guy plus just being sure of yourself and who you are and what you want. I mean, why are those two things seem to be, you know, not simultaneously happening where women you know go for the bad guy? Do you know how hard it is to be nice? I mean, do you know how hard it is just to be nice? Okay, I mean, think I'm about not this understanding. No. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, it really is because here's the thing. Mm-hmm. When you're confident, okay, and the only time I'm confident is when I have money. So okay. on Fridays, <laughs> <Okay>. on Fridays. <laughs> so, oh, so yeah. like, you know, when I, was, when I was unemployed, there was no way I was going to be like Marcus because, I mean, at that point, I'm not confident I'm going to even be able to eat, let alone try to max, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, so, there are nice guys who have money but still fail. I know, and, but I'm just saying, well, you know. I'm, that's just an example. But 
when, okay, I tell, you, I tell you what, though. When I got my job and when I started, you know, when I started getting things started to come around in my life personally, oh, yeah, Swagger was on full, mm-hmm. okay? Now, did I exploit it? No, Cause just because, you know, I'm like, all right, whatever. But, um, yeah, like the confidence thing, went, okay, during my divorce, that was a big confidence fourth quarter letdown, like there's no scoring or anything, okay? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until after a couple of years of being in that whole divorce slump that you actually go out actually on a real date with somebody. Then it's like, okay, I can still do this, all right? I match it. I'll call you, maybe. Don't worry about it. Don't call us, we'll call you, that kind of thing, you know? So, yeah, so when you when you get the confidence in and then you get a little cash in your pocket, yeah, it's cool. But, yeah, when you get desperate and when you're like – because you don't know when, – when you don't know what the heck's going to happen tomorrow as far as you, what you got going on, if your phone's going to be cut off or your cable or you won't have that, that one little Rice crispy in the corner that you've got to save. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, Q, I know you've talked about this on your show. Um, you had – um, kind of a short show where you talked about ego and um, men. Do you feel that the nice guy finishes last and um, yes. the, the bad guy it just gets all the girls and it's so ridiculous? And You know what I mean? Yes. How do you feel about that whole situation? Yes. Um, first of all, you have an awesome coffee mug on your in your store for the crystal shop Thank that I'm going to order. Oh. Um, okay. And I don't even drink coffee. Uh, <laughs> you <yeah>. drink tea. <laughs> the not true. The nice guy does always finish last because he doesn't necessarily have that confidence to step up and be assertive. Now, now I personally think in the scenario that you played, it wasn't that Marcus had necessarily regained his confidence. Well, part of that is true. But the reason she was really getting back into him is because he was no longer available. Um, he was, she was losing him, you know, because people like to string you along, and when they feel like they're losing you, um, then they want to reach back and kind of pull you close. So I think that played into it as well. But um, a, a nice guy who is confident, um, they have words for, they have titles for guys like that. They're called married. Um, <laughs> if okay. you're nice and you have confidence, you're not going to be on the market for long. You're really not. Um, if you're nice and you're overconfident, then you're going to wind up being one of those guys like Marcus um, who just plays with hearts. But if you're a nice guy who's genuinely looking to find a nice woman, you will not be out there for long. That confidence will show, that respect will show, and you'll get locked down with the quickness. Okay. Okay, so so basically for the single women out there, quote-unquote, meeting the bad guy, they're meeting him because he's the only one out there. Yeah, much. For, well, he, the nice that's guys are me. still out there. The nice, boring guys. Ah, boring. So that's that's the whole <clears throat> difference. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Be, I mean, cause, yeah, yeah. You got nice. You have to have nice is an is is an accent to the confidence thing. The confidence being the base, and the niceness kind of accentuates that whole thing and makes him stand out that much more, as opposed to confident and an idiot. Yeah. You know. And like I said, it's something that I had to learn. You have to really project it 
I mean, because there's some nice guys who are confident, but they don't necessarily show it when it comes to to women, so to speak. They may be great in the in corporate America. Um, mm-hmm. They may be leaders in their community, but when it comes to women, for some reason, they just kind of sit back and let everything happen, as opposed to making it happen. And um, you know, as I got older, and that's something I had to realize. Like, you know what? You gotta make it happen. You need to. Tell this woman how you feel about her. Tell her that she's slamming in those jeans or something like that. And let her know, look, I'm still a man, you know, and I will do something to you. So that's what you got to kind of put out there. And you can still be nice in the process. But if you never go that route, if you never put it out there that you're interested, a closed mouth doesn't get fed. And I got tired of starving. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Closed mouth don't get fed, and I got tired of starving. I like that one. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Well, that um, I, I have one more little line in this movie that I think is hilarious, and I have to play. <laughs> no, Marcus. Oh, I, I know it. I hear a girl's office got you pussy whipped. <laughs> Why don't you reverse it? Don't be pussy whipped. Whip that pussy! Look! Bang! 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 bang, 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 bang. <laughs> oh God! That never. I forgot that was in Boomerang. I don't know yeah, why I thought there was another movie. Bang! 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 bang. Woo! Daddy, please. <laughs> that's that was hilarious. Oh, I'm so sorry. I love that and whole scene. That whole scene of the him at the dinner is hilarious. And he's smacking and everything. I know. He's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> he reminds you of. He reminded everyone of an uncle that they have. Oh, I yeah. know. I know exactly. I know. That, that was that one uncle who who was who was a Mac back in the day. Now, and he, was yeah. that, he was like John he was that old he was that old black exploitation Mac back then. Yeah, you know, yeah. and still he's still in the seventies, and he's still still using like, "What's your sign, girl? You must be fine because you get you must be a police ticket because you got sign written all over your girl and all that." He's like Jerome. I mean, there's, there's like there's classic scenes from there. There's a that scene about bang, bang, bang. You hear that everywhere. Um, the whole coordinate. You just got to coordinate, and, and you know, it's just it's just hilarious. It's a hilarious movie. Um. <laughs> First of all, guys, if you're listening on the podcast and you you haven't seen Boomerang, I hope I've, I've encouraged you to go out and rent it, um, check it out on Netflix. I, it's right now. It's on it's, um, Comcast Xfinity is on on demand, so um, you can definitely check it out right now for free. Um, but uh, I'd like to thank uh, Q for chiming in tonight. We really appreciated me and Dre, and we're very happy that you um, decided to come in and chat with us. And thank you, Q, for mentioning um, the store. Yes, guys, we have a store that, and I received my um, one of my T-shirts today that I ordered, um, just to kind of see what it looked like. But it was really nice. It's really cool. Um, my DJ chick, of course, and basically I kind of look like that, so that's why I picked her as my favorite image. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> But we have several other things that are inside of the um, of the store. We have a quote that we love. What's the quote, uh, Dre? One man American crime way because the pants new. Because the pants new. That came from our first season, and it was just hilarious. And 
then, you know. So anyway, it's on there. You can get it in the T-shirts. You can get it on just about everything. And, of course, we have the DJ chick that's on the logos. Uh, just says, you know, you know, the Crystal Show featuring Dre. And, you know, they have so, so much other things. So there will be things that we'll add to it. But if you want to support the show, please order from there. Um, it's always great. And, of course, you can support the show by simply going on to thecrystalshow.com and clicking on Donate and Donate. And I'm going to start a Kickstarter friggin' account soon, too. Um, because, you know, we get great sponsors. Uh, thank you to Mohican.biz uh, for being a sponsor. Thank you so much to um, Akati. Um, uh, the was, oh, shit. Akati. <laughs> Akati, Akati, the hunter. I see. I accept saying Akiti, but it's not actually true. She pronounced it correctly, and we want to definitely pronounce it correctly. Um, Akati, the hunter. But anyway, um, so make sure you check her out. And um, again, her link is on thecrystalshow.com. It is on the front page. So scroll down and check out all the links that we've talked about, including uh, Talk to Q Radio Show, who is online. Hey. Oh, yay. And thanks yeah. for tuning in. And, um, again, now what's coming up next? Uh, next week we are going to be talking about feminism. I thought I had to have a show about feminism. It's <laughs> called What It Is and What It Is Not, People. So we're going to talk about that, so please uh, come on and uh, voice your opinion about that. We're also going to have singer-songwriter Sam Spiron on the show, and he will be sharing his music with us at the top of the hour. So thank you so much, um, Q. Thank you so much, Dre. And we are out. Thank you so much, and peace. Two fingers. You're still going to call me, right? The Crystal Show was created, written, and hosted by Crystal Hickerson. It is produced and co-hosted by Andre Saunders. The Crystal Show is owned and operated by Trinity Productions. For more information on the show, please visit thecrystalshow.com. Thank you for listening.